Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. So today I'm going to do the capstone. I'm going to finalize this thing, put all of the pieces together with this series doorways. In fact, we had a big team night, team rally uh, the other night, and um, I had all of our teams start writing things on the door that they are believing for. And one of the main themes that's on that door is more help. So if you would, and you have been on the fence, I want to serve. I don't, I've been here for a while. Uh, can I tell you that serving is a kingdom thing? Serving is a kingdom thing, and uh, it is part of what God wants to do in, in, in His church. And so serving not only blesses you, but it also blesses those that come because of you. And so uh, if you've ever thought about serving, you ever thought about getting a part of, of a team, uh, we are a team-driven church, and so we have all kinds of openings and opportunities. We would love for you to jump on a team, get a part of that. Maybe, maybe you have never served coffee in your life, and you're like, I love when I go through jitters, and I love when I go through Starbucks, and I love the atmosphere, and come on, any Dutch bros folks in the house? Where's Debbie? Yeah, come on. Um, and, and I love going through it, but I, I don't know. And I, can I tell you, like, Encounter Coffee has, has heavenly angel dust in it. Can I say angel dust in church? Okay. Um, and uh, it is, I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. I don't, I've, somebody help me out later. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's a drug. Okay. But we don't, we're not serving drugs. We're, we're blessing you and... We'd love for you to get a part of that, and maybe, you, maybe you'd love to jump on the First Impressions team with, with Mama Alvin, who is an amazing leader in that, and get a part of, of some of that, and uh, maybe jump on the security team. Some of you didn't even know we had a security. We got security. They're incognito, and they're doing amazing. Uh, we won't blast their names or faces on the screen, but we're thankful for them. Um, one of their big wins this last year was that we had no incidences. <laughs> Come on, anybody else thankful? <laughs> oh, in the world we live in, that is a huge, huge goal. One thing I've, I've learned through the years of pastoring and, and working with people is that, is that Christians, it seems like even more now than ever, Christians seem to just live from, from dark hole to dark hole to cavern to shipwreck to probably, am I talking to anybody? Like it just seems like it just goes from darkness to darkness. And I, and I looked up some studies. It was really bothering me this week. And I had some conversations with God. I will not share with you how I had those conversations with God. But I'm like, God, will you just slap them? bolt of lightning like will you shake will you do something and and I felt like I felt like God just spoke to me and said I've given the tool my people just aren't using it and some of us have spiritual battles that we cannot win because we have pick support some of us are continuing to walk in darkness because we have forgotten that this is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. This right here is the spoken word, written word. It is the word that will never pass away. It's the word that is established forever and ever and ever. And if you're relying on your own strength and your own ability and not on the word, you're going to go from dark place to dark place to spiritual battle feet and destruction. And I just want to empower a church in 2023 to go ahead and get back into the sword, get back and light your pathway, get back into the infallible word of God. Let's read this. Let's get a part of this. Um, Barna study shows that the majority of individuals that call themselves Christians don't even read this every day. So my question would be, are you really a Christian if you don't read your Bible? There's an old song we used to sing growing up, Thomas Sherry. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. 
don't read your Bible, you don't pray every day, you're going to shrink, shrink, shrink. All right, just basic elementary stuff, all right? So here, if you love Jesus, read your Bible. That's, that's, there's my wisdom for you today. Um, and, and let me say this, if you love Jesus, you love the church, and if you love me at all, be here next Sunday. It's our five-year anniversary. Let's fill the house. Bring somebody. It's going to be an amazing time. Invite somebody out. Uh, we're, we're celebrating 10 o'clock. Everybody say 10 o'clock. Punch your neighbor. I'll let you do it as hard as you want. I don't care at this point. Punch your, let them remember 10 o'clock. All right? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. It's going to be an amazing time. Uh, be here. Bring somebody. Bring your family. And let's fill the house. There will be e-kids in, in that service, both the junior, the nursery, and our big ones. Can we give it up for all of our e-kids workers and volunteers? Amazing. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and 20. I'm going to finish this series, and I'm just going to title today, Choosing Greatness. Choosing Greatness. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20 says, Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. We'll talk about choosing greatness. Father, I thank you for the moments we have shared, the encounter of your spirit, and I pray now that the word, God, would it would just cut through, would it break chains, would it illuminate paths, would it give courage and boldness where it is lacking, and today may we find divine wisdom from your word today in Jesus' name. Someone said amen. Amen, amen. How many remembers this show, Let's Make a Deal? Yeah, all right. I'm talking to some people. Let's make a deal. Somebody gets a, gets a chance they get to pick a door, open the door, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a brand new refrigerator. And it's wow. That's amazing. And then they would try to get talked out of that refrigerator to open up what's behind door number two. What the guest does not know is that behind door number two is an old billy goat. And behind door number two is something that they may not really want. And so they are stuck with a choice between the door that they chose and a door that they're getting pressured into choosing. And what I've learned is that there are two doors that we face in every situation daily. There is a door named wisdom and there is a door named foolishness. There are two doors. There is wisdom and there is foolishness. Both require a choice. Both require a choice. It's, it's not automatic. You have to choose whether you go through the door of wisdom or whether you go through the door of foolishness. It is foolish to not read your Bible. It is wise to read your Bible, it's wise to get a part of Pray 21, it's wise to get a part of a serve team, and the question should not be, and Andrea and I were, were talking through this, I love when my wife and I be able to talk, we, like, get around people that talk about big ideas and dreams and not other people, uh, that's, just, that's a door of wisdom, and so we were talking about this big idea between being right and being wise. And oftentimes, we think that being right is the wise thing. Let me help you families out, husbands and wives. If I tell my wife, or she tells, let's do this. I always pick on her. She tells me not to do something. Like, hey, I just don't think this is a great idea. And I go ahead and do it, and it fails. And she looks at me, and she goes, I told you so. She may be right, but that's not the wise thing to do. Does that make sense? There, there are some things. Wisdom will always lead to the right thing. But dying to be right can oftentimes lead to the wrong thing. Because if I have to hurt someone in order to be right, then I'm actually not using wisdom. The Bible says you speak the truth in love. 
There is truth, there is grace, there is favor. But the reality is, is that every opportunity that you are faced with is either wisdom or it's foolishness and the choice is yours. So wisdom, what wisdom does is wisdom illuminates the greatness of God while foolishness actually hides it. It, 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 it hides it. It doesn't take from it, but it just hides it. Wisdom will actually lead to greatness. I don't know anybody that is that when you're m- making your marriage vows, you're like, I vow to be a mediocre spouse. Anybody? When you sign the paper, the W-2 on that work, you are in the job and you're signing, you go, I am pledging to be a less than average employee. Anybody? Like, I am, when you have a baby, you're like, yes, this is amazing. I am going to be an average dad. I'm going to be a mediocre mom. None of us have that. None of us go through, we want greatness. We want to be great. We want to see things happen. And I think that Christianity has done us a disservice where they have moved greatness away from the kingdom. I don't know anybody that's signing up to watch the latest Christian movie because of its graphics and storyline. It's got a bad rap because it's just done low budget, mediocre. And we've done a disservice to other people because we have lacked greatness and we have used it as our cross and our crutch to bear that I cannot be great because I have to be small. I have to be the least. I have to be weak. But I would say this, there, when the door of wisdom is opened, greatness is on the other side of it. The greatness that God has in store for you. So the question is, is there room for greatness in the kingdom of God? And if so, how can I become great? Because becoming great actually elevates God's greatness. It doesn't diminish God's greatness. Because that's what I, I think sometimes we're like, I, I, I don't want to be great because what if it's not... I've preached a long time. And I used, to, I used to have this analogy until another preacher came around me and, and, and helped mentor me on some things. And, and I used to have this evangelizing and preaching. So I'm like, man, preacher, you did a great job today. That was awesome. Woo! All glory to God. All God, God you know, that was all God. And I got to thinking about that. That God gives the word and empowers the people to do the thing. To become great. It is actually the vessel that illuminates the greatness of God. God was not on that stage speaking. He was speaking through a vessel. And in a great house, there are vessels for honor and vessels for dishonor. And there are works in your life today that you need to allow God to work through and say, yes, credit and glory goes to God. However, God has empowered me to become great, to use the gifting and abilities that he has blessed me. And that when you do that, it illuminates the greatness of who he is. Who he is. We were, Andrew and I were talking this week about greatness. When an artist paints a picture... What do you say? Wow, the painting is amazing. How great is Da Vinci? When there's a sculpture and and, and we look at at Michelangelo's work and we look at at, at Da Vinci's work and we look at, at some of these amazing artists through history, when we look at their work, we see the Mona Lisa and we see the sculpture of David and, and we see the Sistine Chapel. When we look at that, we're in awe of the work, but we're also in awe of the creator and the designer. Your the painting. You are, as the Bible says, the masterpiece of God's. When you are great, you are showing off the work of the great creator. Becoming great elevates God's greatness. See, what I've come to realize is we're not, we're not physical beings with a spiritual existence. We are spiritual beings with a physical existence experience we've got to flip it 
Many times we just walk through life through the flesh, through just our own, our own ideas that we are just physical beings that encounter spiritual moments. Like Sunday is a spiritual moment for us or turning on the worship music in the car is a spiritual experience for us and we're just human. We are actually doling down. We're actually eliminating and hiding the greatness of God when we realize when we think, when we believe that we are just physical and have ex spiritual experiences. May we have a paradigm shift today and start believing that we are spiritual beings with just a physical existence. That everything I do, everything I say, everything I'm a part of is about giving God glory. And the experience is human with a spiritual, spiritual being we got to take ownership of greatness. We don't live beneath the greatness God put in us. We, we cannot live beneath that because greatness requires belief. This vision series of doorways has started with the word for the year, believe. And greatness begins with believing that I can. Because what? Anything is possible to them who believe. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It's the belief that leads us to the door of wisdom or through the door of foolishness. The door of wisdom behind door number one is greatness. Behind door number two of foolishness is folly, disaster, destruction. But what you believe... And how you believe it is going to determine which door you walk through. How you believe about the relationship, how you believe about the outcome of that, of that conversation that you're going to have, how you believe about your job, how you believe about the finance, how you believe about your church, how you believe about your team, how you believe about your kids, how you is going to determine what door you walk through when you are dealing with them, talking with them, loving on them, helping them, making them flourish, or on the other side causing them to fail or, 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 or drive bad behavior or, or give triggers or whatever it is. And what I've realized is that the door of wisdom is not that I believe in God. The door of wisdom is that we believe God. You see the switch? Many times we're, we'll raise our hands and say, I believe in God. But our church, if we're going to be a great house... And I believe great anointing is on this place with you. I believe great power is on this place through you. I believe that greatness is on you. And I just feel a, a, a divine instruction from the Holy Spirit today to absolutely break through this year, to develop and to see your greatness go to levels and areas that you have never seen or reached before. Greatness is on the other side of wisdom. We're not a church that believes in God. We are a church that believes God can, will, and is able. God can do it. Greatness just doesn't happen. It's worked for. My first point is this. Greatness starts from the bottom. Greatness starts from the bottom. It doesn't come through osmosis. It doesn't come. If, if you look at any great athlete, it doesn't start because suddenly they woke up one day it takes time in the gym. It takes time on the court or in the field. It takes time with, 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 with developing their ability. It takes time with coaching and, and mentorship and people around them. They are not by themselves because any great player that is by themselves is not really great. What I've noticed about greatness with a lot of players, one in particular LeBron James, is that anywhere he goes, his team becomes great. But when he leaves... That team is not great anymore. And where he's at right now is a very particular situation that he has other great players around, but they don't know how to play together with greatness. And so therefore, they are not even in the top of the league anymore. And I watched him last night as he put a towel over his head and he pouted on the way out of the tunnel after they lost another game. And one would say he is the greatest of all time. I'd argue. We can fight in the parking lot later. But one that is great is not great by themselves. One that is great makes sure that there are others that are great around them. But you have to start at the bottom. 
So Luke 9 and 46, Jesus has this conversation with the disciples because the disciples begin arguing about which of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side, and then he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. What does he do? He brings an object lesson into play and he brings a child to his side because he's showing them that greatness is not overnight. You can be great in the kingdom. Jesus never told his disciples, do not be great. Did I read that correctly? He said, whoever wants to become the greatest must become the least. And he brings a child and he says, greatness starts here. It starts with childlike faith, childlike belief, knowing and believing that our Father is in charge of it all, that I cannot do this on my own, that I'm going to start at the bottom. Jesus never said you can't be great. He just said you have to start small. Jesus is teaching them. He's showing them and he's showing us that greatness is not about you. Many times great people think they are God's gift to the world. When greatness in you is God's gift to the world. The greatness that comes out of you is actually the gift. You're not the gift. You're not the gift. But the greatness God puts in you is the great. Because Jesus will pull greatness out of it. When you lay your life down and pick up the cross and follow him daily, Jesus is the one that pulls greatness out of you. It's, he's the one who makes you look good. He's the one that chisels you. He's the one that paints the picture. He's the one that is master crafting you into his image. Greatness starts from the bottom. Number two is greatness does what others will not. Greatness will do what others will not. This year we're going to break through the door of wisdom into greatness. Greatness starts with wisdom. It starts with wisdom. Seeking wisdom. Listening to wisdom. Being a part of listening and stop talking. Come on somebody. We do a lot of talking, not a lot of listening. Listening is active. And these are some characteristics. If we're going to break through the door from wisdom to greatness, it begins with understanding what a fool is so I don't choose what's behind door number two. And if I can understand what a fool is, then I can strive to do what others will not. Because what a fool will do is what the mediocre will do. What the, what the less than will do, what the lazy will do, what the ones that just have no, no restraint, what those, those that are just a little maniac and chaotic. And, and these are the characteristics of a fool. Let's bring it up. The characteristics of a fool, if you want to read, read Proverbs 13, read Proverbs 26. Look at the characteristics of a fool. And these are just a, fool, a, a, a few that we pulled out today. A characteristic of a fool is angry. <laughs> You know anybody that's just angry? Anger will get the best of you. Jesus is like, be angry, but sin not. Like, when you're angry, sin lies at the door. Angry, being angry, filled with anger, being an angry person is a characteristic of a fool. A dishonest individual. Let me, let me just, let me show you this real quick with, with dishonesty is uh, I've had the, and I say this sarcastically, I have had the privilege of being around people, maybe even working for someone, uh, that, uh, that believed everybody was a thief and everybody was a liar and everybody would just, uh, you know, mistreat and, and, and abuse the system and all that. And what, what, what we realized was that the person that thinks that everybody's a liar is actually a liar. The person that thinks everybody's stealing from them is actually the person that is a, is a thief. The person that believes that, 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 that everybody is, is out to get him is actually the one who has betrayed other people. Can I get an amen? A fool will always project what a fool is. Dishonest. A, a fool is greedy. It's all about them. They are jealous. They are pleasure seekers. They're lazy. 
The Bible says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Like, learn from the smallest so that you can become greater. They're proud. They're unteachable. They're a smooth talker with a wicked heart. The Bible says this is the characteristics of a fool. This is what's behind door number two. These are the characteristics. And all of these, I believe, point back to very innate nature within those individuals. They, number one, they have a fear of failure. They have a lack of flexibility. They make excuses. And they delay responsibility. This is the heart of a fool. They, 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 they walk through the door thinking that this door is going to promise them everything. But the fool has really nothing concrete or solid. When the waves crash, the house falls. But a wise man builds his house on the rock. A wise man will make sure his foundation is solid and secure. A foolish man wants to get it done as quickly as possible, while a wise man will say we need to have patience and wait. And the characteristics of a fool counter what a characteristic of a great person is. Because the characteristic of a great person is this. They possess we're coming, patience. Patience is the ability to arrest the impulse to act impatiently while dealing with frustration daily. They possess gratitude. They are grateful people. They are thankful in every situation. They are individuals that are flexible. They have flexibility. They're able to bend and go with the flow. They're able to have flexibility. And if you follow a God who acts unexpectedly, you must become a person who lives with flexibility. It's, they're self-aware. They, have self -aware. they know where they are. They don't pretend to be somewhere else doing something else. They are self-aware of where they are spiritually, emotionally, and physically. The characteristics of greatness, they are generous. They're generous in all things. They, are, they, uh, they allow themselves to be a, a funnel of generosity to others. They're not the greedy, they're the generous. The characteristics of greatness is that they have grit, tenacity, and grit is long faith, right? Strong faith asks how big I can believe. Long faith asks how long I can believe. Strong faith says I can believe God for big things. Revival. I can believe God for salvations. I can believe God for increase. That's, that's, that's big faith. But long faith says we want, 50, we want to see 50 baptisms and 100 fresh starts. And we want to see his kingdom and wrath from as it is in heaven. We're going to build here. We want to reach our community on social media. Long faith says how long am I willing to believe God can do it? And some of us have given up on words that God has given us because it has taken too long. That is walking through the door of foolishness and not through the door of wisdom. Through the door of wisdom says if God said it, I believe it. That settles it. If I can walk through the door of wisdom to the other side, greatness is there. Greatness is waiting. It's, it's not just it's just not big faith. It's long faith. Characteristics of greatness is this. Look at this. Second slide here. Greatness has vision. Greatness does not have an off-season. Let me pause there. Greatness, you look at great players, they may have a season where they sit on the bench, but they don't skip the gym. Their season may be over, but it doesn't mean they stop working and perfecting their craft. They have a do-better in their life. What could we do better? How do we perfect it? Greatness does not have an off-season. Greatness elevates others around them. Greatness is humble. It is the product of wise choices. It is the way of life. It visualizes victory. It does not take shortcuts. It's not a fad. It isn't perfect. It's not automatic. It does not blame others. And greatness is sustained by determination. That's greatness. That's on the other side of wisdom. That's where greatness is. And if you'll, the three things that we got to do is we need to surrender our heart. 
Surrender, guard our hearts, surrender our will, and open our hands. These things are going to lead to greatness. My third thing is this, is that greatness is concerned about the details. Greatness is concerned about the details. Because the weight of greatness demands discipline. You cannot be great without self-discipline. I don't know, I don't know about you, I hate that word. I hate that word. But Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 3 and 10. We're working to be a great house. He says, because of God's grace on me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is, is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together... That all of you together, that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you. Greatness is on the other side of hardship. Isn't that what it just said? It just shows that if you're building a house, you're constructing a marriage, you're constructing a family, you're constructing a career, you're constructing a, a church, you're constructing a ministry. If you're building, he says, people will use various things, gold, silver, jewels, or wood, stubble, and hay. But the thing that will prove its value and its worth, whether they are a vessel of honor or whether they're a vessel of dishonor, is the trying and the testing and the fires that come with life. And if the fire comes and everything stays standing, then guess what? Then there is worth, there is value, there is purpose. But if it all burns up, then you know what you've been building with. Because the wise build with things that cannot be destroyed by fire, while the foolish build with things that are quick and easily accessible, pleasure-seeking, and it gets burned up. Bad times happen to good people, but let what you have built on Christ stand forever. Don't build on the concepts and ideologies of this world. Build on the Word of God. This is what brings greatness. Because greatness is on the other side of hardships. And some of us are carrying the weight on our shoulders like it's a burden. Greatness is never a burden. The Bible says that glory, glory, glory in the Hebrew means weightiness, heaviness. I've been around church long enough to, to say this, that we'll say, oh, let's give God the glory. And we mean it very subpar to what the word actually means. We mean, whoo! We mean, ho, 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 Yes. But when we learn to give God glory for what it is, it literally means that we need to give Him the weightiness that is on our shoulders and cast it to Him. Give it to Him. You want to give God glory, it's not just through a hand clap. It's not just through ver, uh, uh, lip service. It is through your greatness that He has put in you. You want to give God glory, it's the weightiness of greatness back in His court. You're the designer. You're the builder. It's giving Him all the weight. And my fourth and final is this, that greatness will cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Jesus says this in Luke 12 and 21, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. <laughs> wow. Jesus. It's like, hey guys, I want to remind you, you can store everything up behind door number two that you want. But when you come to the end of your life and you open it up, moth and rust has eaten and devoured what you've stored up. But if you will take door number one behind wisdom, and instead of seeking wealth, seek a rich relationship with God, when you open that door, 
greatness follows you. And behind greatness comes all of the other added benefits. The blessings of the Lord adds no sorrow. Behind wisdom is greatness. Behind foolishness, the fire burns, the goat eats, the moths devour, and the rust consumes. The reality is is that wisdom and greatness is going to cost you something. Because if you say yes to something, it means you're going to have to say no to something else. It's going to cost you something. In order to become great, in order to seek wisdom, maybe the pleasure-seeking has to be put on pause while you actually seek the kingdom first. Maybe there's some things you're going to have to just put. It doesn't match to what I think or what I see or what I envision. I talked about it last week. What happens when you open the door, when you have the vision and the doorway looks different, you don't quit. You just keep going. Because if God put that door there and you choose to go through wisdom, then greatness is on the other side. And in order to see this happen, the greater yes to happen, then there's going to have, it's going to have to cost you some no's. Some no's. There's going to be some things that I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to say no to Starbucks once in a while. Many of us are on our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and many of us have had to say no to some things. Come on, anybody else? You've had to say no to some things so that you can say yes to greater things. Is it painful? Yeah. But the yes is better than the no. Because you're saying, yes, it's costing you. It's costing you that, 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 in, that fulfillment, that joy, that, that, that moment of, of temporary happiness. It's costing you something in that moment. But when you walk through the door of wisdom, understand that the things on the other side of it are filled with greatness and hope. It is filled with the gold, the silver, and the jewels that cannot be burned up. Because you decided, you made the choice to walk through wisdom. It's building something great. Because greatness and sacrifice are equivalent. If I'm going to be great, it's going to cost me something. Greatness wakes up and doesn't say, what can God do for me? But greatness wakes up and says, what can I do for God? Greatness does not wake up and say, God, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a rough spot right now. Uh, I, I, need, I need this and that. And that. Greatness wakes up and says, God, I am your vessel. Use my suffering to bless your kingdom. That's why James was able to say what he said. Though you endure various trials and temptations, my brother, count it all joy. That's why the Apostle Peter said what we endure is just for a short time, but it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in you. Come on, it's like the Apostle Paul that says, I was pressed down, but not destroyed. I was pushed down, but not defeated. I was backed up, but I didn't bow down. What he's saying is that, hey, I know there's going to be a trial on the other side, but wisdom will always build with things that are non-corruptible. They're built with things that will last. And God's like, I want a church to be great, to display the weightiness of my glory in this hour. I don't want a subpar church. I don't want a mediocre church. I don't want a church that just does what they do and checks boxes. I want a church that's on fire for Him. I want a church that changes communities. I want a church that revolutionizes families. I want a church that changes kids' lives. I want a church that restores marriages. I want a church that is generous beyond all things. I want a church that's involved in the politics and the poor. I want a church that is destined for revival and purpose. Greatness is on God's church in a great house in a great house in a great house so I vow today to not be a mediocre place I vow today to never be a place where individuals come and they cannot find their purpose 
A place where they will never be able to find their belonging. A place that they'll never be able to find the greatness that God has for them. May the spirit of this house be a one of a great house, not a mediocre house, not just a church that gets another bad name, but a church that brings glory to the artist, the designer, the creator. May we vow today to do above and beyond, to go through the door of wisdom and burn the door of foolishness. And Jesus wants us to wake up. And move our relationships towards the kingdom. Wants to move us from focusing on what is possible to us believing in the impossible. He wants our intention to be focused on His will for our lives so we can discover the greatness. He offers. See, when you encounter a real Jesus, you begin to believe differently about the way you live. You're not a physical being with a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being with a physical experience. Your soul was created and designed to live forever. And there's two doors that lead to two places. The choice is yours. Pastor, I'm on the other side of the foolish door. What I want to tell you today is that Jesus said, you won't have temptation come on you that is so strong that you can't bear it. He never said that you wouldn't experience life so bad that you can't bear it. He said temptation. Let's get the Bible right. But he also says this, that there will always be a way of escape. So if you are in the door of foolishness today, I want you to walk out of it, slam it behind you, light the match, burn it to the ground and say I'm going to do whatever it takes it's going to cost me something I'm going to start at the bottom I'm going to pay attention to the details and I'm going to do what others will not do and I'm going to go ahead and choose greatness today and behind the door of greatness it's a world you cannot imagine. John, at the end of his writing, said it like this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So my prayer today is this. That as your soul prospers, may you as well. Because this is a soul thing I'm dealing with today. It's not surfacey. This is a soul thing today. Your soul chooses wisdom or it chooses foolishness. So my question is, are you ready? Are you ready to pay the price to go through the door of wisdom this year so that you can encounter the greatness that God has for you? Are you willing to say yes, to change your direction? your vision and your intention to see what God has in store for your life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? There's individuals here that you may be just on that verge. I don't know if I'm going to follow Jesus. I, maybe, maybe you're here and you've been away from Him. Maybe, maybe you have been a closeted sinner trying to dress up like a saint. Inside, you've been walking through foolishness, but on the outside, you're trying to show everybody else that you've got a different, different persona. And suddenly, the fire is proving that you're actually not who you want everybody else to think you are. It's burning the wood, it's the burning the hay, and it's burning the stubble. And I just feel so strongly to work this way right now that today... 
God is ripping the mask of foolishness off of you if you so choose. And he's saying shame off of you because the reason you haven't taken the mask off is because you feel shameful for living one way and trying to act another. And God said, I want to take that off of you. I want to unburden you. And I want you to live free today. I want you to choose wisdom. So if you're in this place today, I'm going to call for a fresh start for all of those areas. Brand new, first time. I want to follow Jesus. I'm coming back to Him. I've been away. Or maybe, maybe, I've been in the dark and I'm ready to come to the light. And if that's you this morning, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up courageously and I want to pray for you. One, you've never been as loved as you are right now. You're so loved. There's greatness ahead of you. Two, this is a moment that you feel the tugging of God on your heart. And right now you are internally battling do I do this? Do I raise my hand? Do I admit this? Do I need this? Is this for me? And right now the Holy Spirit is saying it's you. If you feel that way, this is you. And you need a fresh start and God's going to meet you right there when you lift your hand. Three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand up in this house today? If that's you today, we got one. Come on, somebody. Anybody else? Anybody else this morning? Anybody else this morning? Anybody else this morning? Beautiful. I see you. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Father, right now, I pray for every heart, every life. God, that we may choose the wisdom that comes from on high. Your word said if we ask for wisdom, you will give it generously. So today we ask for wisdom in our relationships, our church, our families, our careers. We ask for wisdom today. Would you grant that to us? Generous, great God. I pray that you would set them free. Mend those hearts today. Liberate their mind. As we give you this and we close the door and we burn it so we can walk through a better door. Father, give us clear direction. May your word be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And your Holy Spirit as a comfort through the guiding of your word. Father, today we receive your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Encounter, we are a tribe. Paul says, we together, we together are building God's house. We do this through community of small e-groups. We there's small groups. We call them e-groups. We we do it through first Wednesday prayer and worship. We do it through uh, midweek connects of teaching. We do it through Sunday gatherings. We do it all the time. But community and tr- being a tribe and a family is more than that. It does take investment. And there's some wisdom and there's some greatness behind it. And I don't know about you, but I want to build a great house. I'm not interested in all the other stuff. I want to build a great house. And some of you here today, you are faithful in your giving. You are generous in all things. You you, you go above and beyond. And for that, we are eternally grateful for your investment. This church would not be celebrating five years next Sunday without your contribution and your ability to say yes to generosity. It's our privilege. And today, I want to encourage you, if you have not yet started being generous or giving, do it today. Start today. We have some amazing things coming up, and we give an opportunity for Future Ready for you to be a part of this. This is above and beyond our tithe. And if you don't know what a tithe is, that's the tenth of all the income that you get. Our pastoral staff does it. Our board tithes. Because we believe that matured followers of Jesus give the tithe, the tenth. And if you're not mature yet, you're you're working up, start somewhere. Greatness starts small. And it's not just big faith for a short time. It's long faith 
for a long time. And your investment, your part of being generous is allowing the house to be built, not with hay, wood, or stubble, but to be built with things that are unperishable, like salvations, baptisms, and restorations, and life change, and miracles, and disease free and, 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 and life and love. Aren't you glad to be part of that kind of a house today? It builds unity. It builds strength. Together, we do this. So I encourage you. We have one Sunday left. We turn these in. You can turn them in today. Turn them in next Sunday. But we have one Sunday left. Will you pray over this? I'm going to pray over you now and ask God to lead us and guide us. Prayer partners, would you come join me if anybody needs prayer? And we're going to close this thing out today. But just stand all over the house Father I pray that you would do something within us that you would advance your kingdom through us may it be in Rathdrum as it is in heaven God today I pray that you would quicken our hearts challenge our faith challenge our belief and may we walk through doors of wisdom into the land of greatness today father we pledge to build a great house built on your word and your foundation so that lives may encounter you and encounter people father i pray that there would be a wide opening awakening of greatness a revolution of greatness an insurrection against monotony, being mundane, being apathetic, and may there be an insurrection of greatness that arises from your people today. May it be our choice to choose this path that you have for us and you have laid out. Father, I pray the greatest blessing, the greatest miracles, the greatest provisions on your people now in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.